Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people. Today is no exception. We have an amazing guest all the way from Boulder, Colorado. Welcome to the show, David Wood. Thank you, Victor. Happy to be on the show. Great to have you here. Now, David, you don't come from the world of real estate, but you are an entrepreneur at heart. You're a business leader. And I thought it would be really useful to just talk to our audience today about some of the keys, some of the secrets to being successful in business. And so, but before we dive into the details, why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Sure. I started in a country town in Australia and I didn't know this until later, but there was a tragedy at age of seven that had a big impact on my life. So my little sister was killed and I was there and I watched it happen. And we didn't know about therapy and what you do with kids when that happens. We just didn't talk about it. So what happened apparently as a trauma response is I developed my left brain, got really good at school, came top of the school, got paid to go to university, got deeply into mathematics and business and systems and how to make money. And I thought I had it made at the age of 24. I'm on Park Avenue in New York, consulting to Sony Music and Ford and Exxon. And I'm like, oh my God, look at this. I'm getting, I'm getting paid. I'm qualified as an actuary. And then someone said, why don't you go and do this personal growth course? It'll rock your socks. And even though everyone wore name tags and they smiled way too much to be real, I got in and thinking, I'm just going to get in and get out. I don't want to become a self-help junkie. Well, famous last words. They cracked my cynicism. They showed me I knew nothing about emotional intimacy, about deep vulnerability, connection, influence, transparency, and leadership. So I've spent the last 20 years catching up and filling in all those blanks. So now when clients come to me, I say, look, I'll help you make more money. I love working with business owners. We'll double your revenue. But what about your time off? You still want to keep working 40 to 60 hour weeks? They're like, no. Okay, great. Well, let's get you more time off. And then how are you showing up in the world as a partner, as a parent, as a friend, as a leader, as a human? That's what I care about. I want you to be the badass leader and human that people want to be around. And that's all about relationships. So there's my answer of where I started and how I got here. Wow, I love that. And, you know, we are so obsessed in our culture with material things, with all of the trappings of success, without necessarily looking at the things that really matter. There's such thing as post-traumatic stress disorder. There's also something called post-traumatic growth, and both can be true. Wow. Oh, that that really landed. Thank you for that. I hadn't been thinking about the post-traumatic growth that I've experienced in the last 45 years. I also want to, like listeners, I imagine real estate investors, you're successful. I imagine there's part of your left brain that's like, I want more money. It's a survival mechanism. I want more money. Plus it feels good and it's a way you keep score, as someone famously said. That's one way you keep score. So I'm all for that. Make more money. I just don't want you to think when we talk about relationships and investing relationships that we're excluding money. Because I think there's something in it for all parts of our brain. If we invest in our relationships and become more of a leader and more of the kind of person we would want to follow, we're going to get everything. We're going to get more money and more success 
and we're going to get more love, more connection, more influence. So it's kind of a no-brainer to invest in your relationships. It's got something for every part of the brain. Well, look, even some of the wealthiest names in the world in the past couple of years haven't been able to hold their own marriages together and not necessarily for the right reasons. So even there, just financial success isn't the ticket. It's that holistic, all of those different elements. It's the social, it's the community, it's the relationship, it's the spiritual. It's it's all of those different elements. And if you're ignoring one of them, it's like having a table with a missing leg. Yes. So one, one of the big questions that comes up is how? How do I have my relationships be better? And I'm a big fan of radical transparency. When I was, uh, this must be 20 something years ago when I got my first coach, she would talk about something called nosebleed honesty. Mm. And that really stuck with me. She's like, in relationships, you've got to practice that. And then if the person sticks around, you're really onto something. If they don't stick around, then you had bigger troubles than that. So I'm writing a book now with my co-author, Shana List, and it's called Name That Mouse because the elephant is not the only animal in the room. We've all heard about the elephant. You see it, Victor. I see it. No one's saying anything. Let's suppose I showed up to this interview without wearing a shirt. It'd be a pretty big elephant in the room if we're not addressing it. And by the way, in my last interview, I was testing links before the interview and it took me straight into the room, put me on video, and I did not have a shirt. So that was, that was a little bit embarrassing and fun at the same time. But we all know about the elephant, but many animals in the room are much more subtle. They might just be in my head. Maybe you see it, maybe you don't. And the more we can practice naming those mice, the deeper connected we can get. And I, one example that I think has paid off in my business life is when I approached Jack Canfield from Chicken Soup to write the forward to my book. I asked him and I felt a little guilty asking him because I'd also asked Richard Branson and Richard Branson was my priority. If Richard said yes, I was going to go with it. And if Jack said yes, and then Richard said yes, I'd be super embarrassed about it. So I decided to name a mouse with Jack. I said, would you be willing to write the forward? And I want to be transparent with you. I have asked Richard Branson. And if he says yes, I'm going to go with that. Would you be willing to be my backup? Bold move, both asking him and then telling him that he's second in line. And classic Jack, he said, well, you're going alphabetically. I, I understand that. And I just, right. And now we laughed about it. And now I was totally upfront with him. And I can't prove this, but I believe that one of the reasons that I became friends with Jack and got to hang out with him socially and personally, and that he finally agreed to write the book is that I did practice radical transparency. I could have lost the opportunity to have him write the forward. I didn't. He ended up doing it. And this was after he just decided not to dilute his name by writing a bunch of forwards. So I just such an evangelist. It pays off. It pays off. It pays off most of the time. And if you lose something because you took a risk and you said the truth, maybe that's what you were supposed to lose. We had Mark Victor Hansen, Jack's business partner on the show here as well. And he had just finished writing a book called Ask. And part of the premise of that book was the notion that you only get what you ask for, whether you ask yourself for something, you ask someone else for something, you ask the universe or God for something, 
you have to ask, which means you've got to have clarity on what it is that you're asking for. And I'm present to the notion that not only were you very transparent with Jack, you also made a bold request. And that's brilliant. Thank you. In the book, we've identified six different categories of mice. And we've already written the mini book, and I'll tell listeners how to get hold of that at the end of the episode. But one of the mice is a desire mouse. That's a whole category. And we have so many desires. We don't even reveal them to ourselves. We might not even admitted to ourselves that we'd like more touch or we'd like more company or that we're feeling lonely or we'd like to have something sexual in the bedroom. We don't often always let ourselves know that because it might be awkward and it might be scary. So as we practice naming these desires, we do give the universe a chance to respond. I also was at a conference with Jack and it came up for me to ask him if he wanted to write a book together. Now, I'm sure he gets, I don't know, I'm going to guess he gets about 10 pitches a day. That's my guess, to write a book with him. But he had dropped a hint in his speech and I was like, about a book he was interested in writing. And I said, would you like company on that? Or you want to do that solo? And he said, I think I got this one myself, but if that changes, I'll let you know. But I, you know, I expressed it and Jack would be one of the first to say, if you don't ask, you're starting with a no, right? That's your default position. Someone said to me once, imagine if you ask for 100% of what you want, a hundred percent of the time, wouldn't that be amazing? Ideally without attachment. Hey, I just want to ask this. Would you like to have a movie date? Would, I think that'd be fun. What do you think? Hey, do you want to work together? Hey, would you endorse my product? Do you want to do a real estate deal? I realize you've got a lot of experience and I don't, but I think I could learn a lot and I could contribute as well. Are you interested? Let's share our desire mice with people purely for the sake of being self-expressed. And then as a bonus, you might actually get what you're asking for. Where is the line between being self-expressed and being greedy? Well, what came up when I hear that question, what comes up is I don't know what greedy looks like. Now, there was one time when I had a group of people at my house and we were dividing up into groups of six. And I asked two women, hey, would you be in my group? Because I'd love to cuddle with both of you. And someone in the group got annoyed at me. She's like, you're such an opportunist. And look at you. You You just wanted cuddles. And so you just created everything exactly how you wanted it. And I said, yeah, what's your question? I was just owning it. That was my desire. I wasn't attached to it. So she thought it was greedy. And yet for me, it was me just being expressive. So I don't know what greedy looks like. I know what annoying looks like. So some people ask, well, what if I'm expressing a desire and I don't get the answer that I want, or I don't get an answer at all? Should I ask again or should I drop it? I don't want to be annoying. Well, that's a mouse. I don't want to be annoying. That's a mouse. And you could share that. So sometimes I'll write to someone and say, hey, I notice I've sent three emails. I don't want to bug you. Do I have the right email address? Is it okay to keep asking? Would you like me to stop? Or is there something else? I'll actually name all those mice so that I can be more connected with the person. I've been pitching someone who's very famous, A-list celebrity, to be on my podcast. And I've gotten pretty far along the way. I actually got him to say, reach out to my producer and we'll see what we can do. Like, okay, all right, that's something. Reached out to the producer, got nothing. Sent a second email, got nothing. 
sent a third email, just want to get this to the top of your inbox, got nothing. So on the fourth email, hey, I'm shooting for charmingly persistent versus absolutely annoying. Do I have the right email address for you? And is it still okay that I sent this to you because the celebrity said it was okay to reach out? And on the fourth email, I got back an apology. Hey, sorry, I've been so busy. He's also so busy, but why don't you send me your list of questions and I'll get it to his executive assistant. Boom. We still don't have a, a, a yes for the interview. And once we do get a yes, we still don't have the interview, but that was me just naming the mice. Now, some people might say that's greedy going for it four or five times, but I figure if it matters to you, keep on going. Just name your mice as you go. Hey, I imagine you're super busy. Is that true? Who knows? Whatever is true for me, that's what I try and put in the email. And then I find that gets a better result than just ignoring all those mice and just like, you know, now I'm spamming the person. If I just keep sending the same thing every time without acknowledging that I'm sending the same thing every time, then it's weird. And now we're disconnected and we're unrelated. And they might be like, God, this guy's just, he's not getting the hint. Maybe that's what they're thinking. But if I show I am sensitive and I am having feelings over here and I do want to be related with you, that's a different ballgame. I'm going to throw three words at you and let's see if we can make the distinction between them. They sound similar. Desire, committed, and attached. <laughs> Love this. I was, I was just playing ping pong yesterday with a buddy and in the fourth game, I got pissy. I got annoyed. I, I ended up slamming the ball off on the side in a real moment of anger. And at the end of that game, I said to him, I got attached. Mm. That was what attachment looked like. I was attached to winning. In my mind, I had to win. I tried really hard and I couldn't do it. Everything was going wrong. And I just had a six-year-old tantrum. So that's attachment. And he said, his name was Guy Guri. He said, attachment only works when you get what you want. And I thought that was genius. Yeah, if you get what you want, no problem being attached to it. But when you don't get what you want, that's where attachment becomes a problem. Now, I mentioned that I did a personal growth course way back when I was 26, 27 years old. In that course called the Landmark Forum, they teach the distinction commitment versus attachment. And people tend to collapse these. So when I'm pitching this celebrity be on my podcast, what attachment would, would look like is getting annoyed and frustrated and angry when I'm not getting the result that I want. What some people do is they just collapse and they go, oh, well, I'm just going to stop trying because I just can't hear a no one more time. Now you're attached. So you just collapse. No, there's another space to stand, which is commitment. And the commitment is a place to stand where I am going to show up unapologetically and maybe even joyfully moving in the direction of something that matters to me. You can do whatever you want. I am committed that you be on my podcast and I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen. You do whatever you want. This is how I'm going to show up and you should expect that from me. If you're expecting something else from me, you might be disappointed because I'm going to keep showing up like that. I had a friend who was suicidal and he didn't want me to share certain things with his family. And I said, you've got another thing coming. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to keep you here on, on the planet. And that if, involves sharing anything and everything you've said 
with anyone in the world that I think can help you, that's what I'm going to do. So now you know who I am and what you can count on me for. You got a problem with that? We can talk about it now, but that's who I am. That was me being committed to a certain plan of action and a certain outcome. Now, did I get attached as well? Yep. I tell you what, I lost some sleep because I noticed I was really scared that he might kill himself at any moment. So I noticed I also was attached, but the noticing of it allowed me to chill a little bit. And it was actually a revelation because I wrote to him and I said, I've just realized I cannot keep you on the planet. I don't have the power. I can show up committed like Martin Luther King freeing the slaves, right? That's what I think of. Like I can show up like that, but I cannot make it happen. And that gave me a little bit of peace. I think some of my attachment dropped a little bit. I said, I cannot keep you around. That bit's going to be up to you, but I can control my actions. And I think that's more where commitment lies. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, David, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? We've got a Kickstarter campaign for the Name That Mouse book. And if you'd like to get hold of the trailer, uh, which, sorry, the mini book, which we've already written, I'm going to give you a link where you can do it. And if you think that the world would be a better place, if people start naming their mice with each other, our kids are doing it, we're doing it, our politicians are doing it, then I would love you to share this Kickstarter campaign on social media and with email and share it far and wide. This is day one right now, as you and I are recording this, this is June 15, and this is day one of a 30-day Kickstarter, Kickstarter, Kickstarter campaign. The link is namethatmouse.com. Go to namethatmouse.com. There's a little video of me sharing about this movement that we're creating. And then there's a link where you can go to the Kickstarter page. You donate three bucks and we'll give you the mini book. It's more of an energetic thing that we're doing here to get people involved in mouse naming and sharing the concept of mouse naming. So all of that is at namethatmouse.com. Fantastic. Well, David, definitely a kindred spirit. Love the conversation. And for the listeners at home, definitely connect with David at namethatmouse.com. Participate in his Kickstarter campaign. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.